0: If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. If there's topics you'd love to have us address, we would love to share them with you. Let us know your impact and let us know your feedback. Virtual selling is really creating one of the greatest opportunities, I think, during our time when it comes to -to business-to-business development. Virtual selling is actually changing the landscape of how we sell and how we buy. Now, recently, McKinsey came out with a report showing that a lot of buyers, a major percentage of buyers, actually prefer the virtual selling. Now, before we get into, I believe, the greatest opportunity virtual selling provides us is some fundamental things that it also provides us opportunistically. First, organizations are saving money. We're not spending money on mileage. We're not spending money on travel. Here's the funny thing. When we're selling virtually and we're not traveling to the airport and we're not traveling via our car, that time difference, that time savings can be reinvested into prospecting, business development, proposal generation. You get the idea. So the number one thing that we're going to discuss is going to seem so simple Yet, I want to give you some context to why this is the greatest opportunity. First, let's talk about salespeople. I am a salesperson by trade. Yes, I teach and I facilitate coaching, yet I also have a responsibility of selling. So, what I'm about to share with you is not a criticism of salespeople. This is our opportunity, everybody. First... We want salespeople who are tough, who've got egos, who can accept rejection because inherently we're going to have rejection. With that being said, that very thing that we want becomes an inhibitor to people learning. Now, let me add a little bit of humor to facilitate the context a little bit deeper. When somebody has a great sales year and you go up and say, Barry, man, you had a great year, you know, what do you attribute that to? Barry's going to talk all about himself. Yet the next year when Barry has kind of a subpar year and I say, geez, Barry, what happened? Most sales reps our fictitious sales rep. Barry will do the same thing. He will gravitate to things outside of himself. Well, the economy was kind of bad or, you know, the marketing department didn't do a couple things that we were expecting. Rarely will you hear a salesperson say, you know, I really lost sight of practice, and I didn't practice enough, and my negotiation skills was a little bit off, and for whatever reason, I was really, really scared of closing. Now, I bet you're laughing a little bit. So, let me add some even deeper context. Had a client who's recording Zoom calls, because they're now selling virtually. Their customers aren't letting them on site, and this is their number one sales rep, mind you during the COVID crisis, hitting his numbers. So as I was watching the call, because it was recorded, my client asked me to evaluate it. And I said, well, here are the three things he did extremely well. He knows your products. He knew how to solve the problem of the client. And I have to tell you something, he was fantastic with articulating How the company could support and service after the sale was commenced. So he was really good on his feet, really good with critical thinking, great problem solver. And my client said, Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. He said, Well, that's great. And he started to end the conversation. I said, Whoa, 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 wait. He said, Oh, is there more? I said, Oh, there's a lot more. I said, Now, notice I started with three things he did extremely well. Let me share with you a major opportunity. He said, sure. I said, he's got a strong ego. He said, yes, he does. I said, okay. I said, he comes off very confident, which conjures up a risk of what? He said, yeah, some people might think he's arrogant. I, I know some people have said that. It's okay. I said, now to supplement those two areas of concern, he interrupted the customer 11 times one of the phrases he used was, no, 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 you're not understanding me. Factually, the client wasn't understanding, yet he cut them off and said, no, 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 no. Here's what you need to understand. I said to my client, hearing that, what's your first impression? He said, wow. I said, so, all the good things he does in his mind and in his ego, do you think he's aware of some of the things that might be undermining his strengths. Client immediately goes, absolutely not. I said, that's why virtual selling presents us the greatest opportunity when it comes to sales talent development. He said, what's that? I said, we get to deal with reality. Because do you think if he doesn't get that sale as good as it was, as good as he is, Do you think he would honestly come back and say, you know what? I kind of blew that call. He said, never in a million years. So the number one greatest opportunity, and that's an example, probably that may not be germane to what you're going through, but just think about that for a second. We get to deal with reality. We actually get to see how people are dealing with things. We get to see if they're asking open-ended versus closed-ended questions. We get to see how many times they demonstrate active listening versus interrupting. We get to see are they delivering benefits versus delivering features of the products and services. So going back to this example, this person asked great questions, knew the products, did not talk features. He talked directly to the customer's needs in statements of benefit. You could see the client was loving it, yet you could also see a little bit of cringing when he kept talking to them in a very interruptive, dismissive way. So one of the greatest books I think I've ever read is called Insight by Tasha Uruk. She does a lot of work. She's an organizational psychologist. I believe she has a PhD. It's a New York Times bestseller. And I've got to believe these numbers are really apropos, very germane to salespeople. She said in her survey, how many of you think you're highly self-aware? 95% said they felt like they were highly self-aware. Number two, when she assessed and for lack of better description, tested them, she found out only 10 to 15% were truly self-aware. That, my friends, is an 80 to 85% fallout. Interpretation? 80 to 85% of people are fooling themselves. So when we talk about virtual selling, providing one of the greatest opportunities, it is a different platform. It is a different way of selling. I think one of the best things that an organization can do today is to buy the book by Jeb Blunt, Virtual Selling. He does a fantastic job of talking about the transition, the nuances, what we need to change as sales professionals. Most sales professionals won't look in the mirror and say, you know what? I've got to adapt. Most will sit there and say, egotistically, you know what? It's just It's just a little different. It's the same thing. I'm just talking on Zoom or WebEx. It isn't. The world has changed. So number one opportunity is we get to deal with reality. Number two, because of reality, we get to build self-awareness. Where there is self-awareness, there's greater acceptance of feedback and coaching. Third opportunity, coaching can now be more targeted. See, what we do in the training field, we tend to train and put curriculum together. This is not a shot at training departments, mind you. We tend to do it in a vacuum. Most sales leaders will look at people's numbers and try to decipher where their sales training needs exist. Well, I think we need a program of negotiation. Yet, if I can actually watch a guy or gal negotiate well or not so well, now I'm dealing with reality. Where there's reality, there's self-awareness. Where there's self-awareness, we have the opportunity to coach that is much more targeted. Last, here's the big one. The first big one was really dealing with reality. But this one for me is so important. Sales is very subjective. People typically buy emotionally, not rationally. Now, what's going to happen? Our relationships with prospects and customers are going to change. Not more or less, they're going to change. And I think we need to deal with things factually. So, let me give you an example. Notice in my example, I complimented the sales rep. He knew the products and services, he knew how to deliver benefits. He knew how to ask really good needs-based selling questions. He did not lack confidence. Those things are not always attributes of every salesperson. So inherently, he was kind of ahead of the curve. Yet, factually, he interrupted 11 times. So when you are selling virtually, and you get to coach your people, and you can capture it, and you can deal with reality, My advice is to use something called factual scoring. Open-ended questions versus close-ended questions. Interruptions versus the number of times people paraphrase or demonstrated active listening. Count the number of times someone delivered features versus the number of times they should have delivered benefits. Why? When we deal with things factually, people can't argue this. This, everybody... This new virtual selling world is like holding up a mirror in someone's face. I mean, being recorded and evaluated and coached, that's different than getting in your car or plane, knowing that nobody's watching you. So we want to be sensitive and empathetic that this is a little bit of a, a jarring effect to our sales teams. Yet opportunistically, it provides the greatest opportunity of all time. We get to deal with reality. So in summary, let me share another story with you. This is over 20 years ago. I was in Las Vegas doing a sales training uh, workshop. I don't do sales training anymore by design. Um, I really feel like the coaching and the development should come from his or her manager. So we're in this session, and I'll never, ever forget it. And it was with a boat manufacturer. And the number two guy, and I really want you to hear this, the number two guy in the company who did not want to be at this training challenged me in front of a hundred sales reps. He said, I think the stuff you're teaching is fine, but, boy, did he emphasize, but, but we've got the best product on the market. And I think some of the stuff you're teaching is overkill. And I think quite frankly, I don't know if I would use it. Do you have any thoughts on that? I said, absolutely. So without mentioning this company's name, their competitors were Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury Marine. I said, so when you say you have the best product, what happens if you get an objection in front of a hundred sales reps? He looks at me and said, you know what? I go and tell them right away, if you don't buy, I'm going to go right across the street and I'm going to sell it to your competitor. I said, okay. I said, are you ready? He said, excuse me? I said, are you ready? He said, I'm not following you. I said, are you ready for my response? Because I'm about to walk you into the wall. You open the door. You challenge me in front of a hundred people. I am totally fine with that. What I would ask you to do is take a deep breath and get ready. He said, "Okay, go ahead." And he laughs at me. I said, "Are you under the impression that Yamaha, Suzuki, and Mercury Marine have completely stalled their R and D because you think you have a better product?" And the dealers and the customers that you're talking to, where you threatened to go across the street and sell it to their competitor. I'm wondering if they're waiting for the opportunity to stick it to you. The audience started to clap. Then when we went through the workshop, guess what? He couldn't role play. He couldn't practice. He was terrible. Number two in the company. So then we were sitting there thinking, how is this guy number two in the company? So here's the funny part of the story. Six months later, he left the organization after about four or five years uh, for reasons, you know, unrelated to the training. And a gentleman by the name of Craig took over his territory. He was a service person. Service people do what? They ask great questions. This guy practiced. He was open to feedback. Number two in the company took over his territory quadrupled, quadrupled the sales volume. Why? One, we were dealing with reality. Now, do I think that first sales rep left there thinking, man, that was fantastic sales training? No, I don't. Do I think Craig thought it was helpful as he started his sales career? Yeah, I do. So what happens is, We don't really see what sales reps go through either. So we as coaches have to see what they're hearing and what they're going through and some of the mitigating factors that they're dealt with. So we as leaders can help them. This is not about gotcha. This is about dealing with reality and helping people feel good about getting better. Remember with salespeople, there's an ego there and we want that ego there. But that eager ego can also be a roadblock to what? Reception of training and learning. So, if you haven't had a chance, please get the book Virtual Selling by Jeb Blunt. Thanks, everybody. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you for listening to another episode of Coaching Conversations by Tim Hagen and Progress Coaching. Now, our company is always coming out with new and innovative solutions to help leaders coach their employees. And recently, we just created a new service called Coach to You, where leaders can pick and choose topics and assign seven to 21 day programs for employees